Thank you for listening to the podcast. This is Sten. I would like to announce that my team in Nashville is looking to add an experienced advisor. This advisor would have approximately four years or more of experience, but more importantly, this advisor is looking for a new challenge. This advisor wants to take the elite path and reject the average path in our industry. In this role, you will work right alongside me growing your business. Together, we will help level up legacy as an organization. If you think you're up for this challenge, you can go to stenmorgan.com backslash apply to answer the questionnaire. Or if you're listening to this and you're thinking of another advisor that could be a good fit, please make that connection. If that advisor becomes an advisor on our team, I will send you a $5,000 referral fee. I'm looking forward to hearing from you. Welcome to the podcast, Becoming an Elite Advisor. I'm Sten Morgan here with my good friend, Andy Traub. And today we're going to talk about measuring things that matter. This is probably one of the changes in my business that elevated me to think like a business owner to actually start making more informed decisions. Right. Every advisor needs to do this. This isn't a, hey, it feels good if you get a chance, start a scorecard on a monthly basis and measure the results of your actions. You need to do this tomorrow. This is the the cost of not doing this is so high that it, if you don't do it, then failure will happen. It is I don't want to look at my gas tank because I don't want to think about it. You, you can you can ignore that. You can ignore your gas gauge, and yep. you will eventually run out. So to your detriment as an advisor, if you don't do this, mm-hmm. um, it will eventually something eventually will go very wrong. Yeah, it it helps with informing future decisions, but I do like what you just said there about it it will open you up to certain things because once you have a scorecard and you know what reality is, you have to act. And I think this is true with blind spots on all of us. I think we believe if, if, if we can pretend like we don't know it exists, we don't have to do anything about it. A scorecard that you review on a monthly basis, if you start measuring things, it's going to tell you, hey, you're playing office because nothing's changing. Mm. And you may feel busy, but like this is, if you take your business seriously, and this is a commonality from elite advisors, we talk all the time about the difference between average and elite. Yeah. And I would argue most advisors that we talk to would say, of course, I want to be elite. Okay. Well, elite is harder. It's different. And one thing that elite advisors do, they act like business owners and they track and they review the results of the choices they're making. So this was... So, uh, before I had kids, I know because I had time to do things like this. But we used to watch <laughs> The Biggest Loser. Oh, did yeah. you watch The Biggest Loser? A little bit. Didn't get too too into okay, it. But. All right. Well, so I'll be the dork who watched The Biggest Loser. <laughs> what was fascinating is they would all. I mean, obviously, the way they measured The Biggest Loser was weight. It was weight, and it was fascinating those moments when these people would step on the scale, and you know that you saw them, and they know they were working out all week and they were eating all week. Mm-hmm. And what you thought they were reading all week. And what would happen is sometimes they get on scale and it would be like they gained two pounds. Mm. Then they lost one. And they would just there would just be this like, what just happened? Yeah. And well then then they unveil what happened and they would go back and they'd say, So like and then they would admit, okay, I didn't uh, either they cheated on their food or they didn't eat the right food or whatever. Mm. And the point is, then they were able to get on track again. Yeah. But but if they were just like, Well, I'm doing all the right things. I mean, I think I'm eating right. I think I'm doing the right exercises. Let's not get on the scale. Mm-hmm. The scale tells the truth and then informs you to change your behavior, right? Yeah. So I think that's the first thing I want to encourage you who are listening or watch this on YouTube is that I think, and you tell me, mm-hmm. but I think the first time you step on the scale, if you will, the first time you start doing this, you may not like what you find, but 
now you know, right? Now yeah. you know, okay, or I think I'm doing a good job. And three months later, you're like, nothing's changing, but I'm so busy. And you're like, oh, wait, maybe I'm playing office. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And we'll link to an example scorecard so you can, you can kind of see what are metrics other advisors are tracking. But this will be an iteration. Your first scorecard, like you need, need to start tracking things tomorrow. And you may say, okay, what's my total assets under management? Uh, how many ABC clients do I have? All these metrics matter. A legacy, for example, our goal going into next year is we want to add a certain number of A clients. Right. If we are tracking and for some reason our C clients are growing 10X our A's, like we need to stop doing whatever we're doing. Most advisors, this is the industry that I grew up in, we would have annual strategy meetings. In December, we'd sit down, talk about a bunch of stuff. Hey, let's hope we hit this goal and then just go back to just working. And hopefully by next December, we hit our goals. Mm -hmm. That didn't inform me if in July, hey, we got we to pivot. Our goals are different now. We now do like rolling 90-day strategy meetings mm -hmm. because we have to be able to, to pivot faster yeah. if we're doing something that's not working. What is the one or two measurements that most people are using to track? Is there a feel or is it just their bank account? Is it, you know, I mean, what, what are advisors using? If they're not using a really specific scorecard that measures, you know, how many meetings you had and closing percentage and AUM and mm -hmm. policies and a, a, B and C clients, I mean, what, what, what would you guess it is? I mean, I, I'll just be frank, like money in the bank. Money in the I mean, bank. Like, yeah. Hey, What's my production? I'm, How much money am I making? Yeah. That's right. And, and not like scarcity as in like, not to like, oh, I have $5,000 left that I'm okay this month, but literally like, oh, I've got 150 in the bank. I'm fine. I'm like, oh, it's 80. I'm not doing so good. I better like mm -hmm. that. Not that they live paycheck. I'm not saying that, but literally like it's the only, and also to say, oh, I've got a bunch. So I must be doing a really good job. That not, that's not so true either. Yeah. Before I say that's not true, I, I, it matters what type of practice and lifestyle you want to live. Yeah, that's true. Your goals are going to be different for everybody. Yeah, I, I would true. argue 90% of the metrics we all track could be similar. For example, at Legacy, we track service requests completed per month. That informs me, does our relationship management team, can they handle the activity? If that gets to a certain number, do I need to look at adding somebody else so I don't overwork those people? Th those are just healthy business owner metrics to have in mind. Revenue matters. Yeah. And, and at the end of the day, we want to drive good revenue. But I have met advisors that if revenue is their only goal, they're going to go sell a bunch of stuff, hit their revenue goal, and ruin their reputation mm. in the meantime. So what, what practice do you want? Do you want AUM base? We track financial planning and consulting fees. That, that matters to us because we get a lot of AUM from those engagements. So if we have more financial planning consulting clients, that trickles down to uh, AUM. Yeah. Probably get some decent size insurance cases out of those relationships also. Financial planning is a leading indicator for us yeah. on a lot of things. Revenue is almost a thing where at the end of the year, I'm like, okay, where'd we get? But, but there's so many leading indicators and decisions to be made that are informing, uh -huh. hey, are we on track to hitting our revenue goal versus it saying, hey, I'm going to show up to work, work for 10 hours, hope it works out and maybe get to whatever this goal was that I just made up. We, we also know that it, it does matter you know, that you put in the hours. We also know that it matters what you're doing in those hours. Yeah. That the hours in the office, I mean, we, you know, we, we, we know the old picture of the video of someone literally taking a time card. <laughs> I remember I had to do this when I was you know, in my teens or whatever, and we had a time card mm -hmm. at the pet shop I worked at. 
Shout out to the Reef Pet Shop. <laughs> nice. Still going strong in Indianapolis. You got a big discount. He had like owner operated. 50 snakes in his house, I'm sure. I the piranha cage, the tank. That was never fun. Nice. He's like, they're, he's like, they're more afraid of you. I'm like, no, I'm definitely more afraid of them. <laughs> but I would have to get this card and like punch it. And it was literally like, okay, you punch in at 222 and you left at 542. And so you're worth, you know, $15. Cause mm-hmm. like, we know that's not true. That's right. So we know that we can have a, there's certain things and activities we can have when we're in the office that are more effective than others. But I think that those numbers are going to tell you the truth. That's right. Those numbers are going to tell you the truth. And again, we'll have a scorecard linked to in the uh, notes of this uh, show, whether it's on YouTube or wherever you listen to your podcast to a scorecard you can look at. So yeah, they they measure their finances, but there's other areas that you can measure Mm -hmm. uh, and should be measuring. You said rolling 90 days. Uh, how can you encourage our listeners to be on the scorecard for your business? What are other areas of your life that you try to shift there and maybe go back to business as well, but like that you, you try to measure some feel like they're immeasurable, but some may not be as practical as here's this 15 metrics I can gather every month for easily score yeah. 7.4. Right. To that point though, I, I don't know if, any of our listeners or if you've done this exercise of going and asking your kids what is the most fun thing we do together and mine said wrestle and so what should i do take them down i should wrestle more that's right off the the top top rope (laughs) but i mean we could just always guess yeah and part of asking for feedback is potentially the fear of like what do i do when i receive it (laughs) the feedback (laughs) the feedback Because also some people, this is the you know Carol Dweck book about mindset, is there's growth or fixed mindsets. Fixed mindset people typically don't like feedback because it they take it as you're calling into question who I am as a person. Mm. Whereas growth mindset people are saying, hey, get, the quicker I can get yeah, data it's, and it's feedback, the sooner data. I can start doing better things yeah. and avoid regrets. And that is the mindset of elite advisors. I didn't start there. It took me time to develop that because I, I saw my, one of my biggest obstacles was just myself. But these things you can measure. I mean, with fitness, I've never gone as far to track my weight and diet. You know, maybe someday I'll have time to do that. But how many times are you working out per week? Uh, How many times are you doing date nights with your wife? You know, all these things can be measured, um, planned around. Mm -hmm. From a business standpoint, a practical standpoint, if this is new to you, if if your approach so far in life is I'm just going to wake up, work as hard as I can and just hope everything falls in place. Yeah. An easy step into measuring is a business scorecard. Yeah. It, it, so, so start there, but if it's your health, uh, whether it's your spirituality, your mental health, having a plan and checking in on that plan will always make the outcome better. Here's a really practical way that you can make sure you're doing that. We've done this with our elite advisor network community is that we will, you know, they'll have the scorecard and then they'll schedule a time on the schedule, mm-hmm. has a time, has a time block, and then they'll put a link to their scorecard because it's a Google Sheet. Yep. So let's put a link in that event. They make a schedule appointment with themselves yep. Right to review their scorecard. Now, their administrator, someone on the team, may fill out some of the scorecard for them, but they then have that time blocked off to, I'm going to review the scorecard yep. during that time. And it's just a recurring event. That's, That's how right. you're like, how do I make sure I do this? Put it on your calendar. Yep. Hit recurring. End never. <laughs> That's right. Exactly. Right? Ending date never. Yep. Right. And in my practice, Jamie, the second Monday of each month, we review the scorecard from the prior month. 
And initially it was overwhelming for her until she realized, wait, I can further delegate this task, meaning uh, Brooke can track the new AUM that's received and Uh she can report that to me. Chris can report this part to me. And so you have to come up with your system to make it efficient. Uh, Maybe yours is a quarterly scorecard to start. Uh, Annually is helpful, but it's really, you know, what are you going to do with that data? It does feel good to kind of know how everything played out. I would say the goal should be monthly as a, as a responsible business owner trying to make informed decisions. It should be monthly. It should include expenses, service metrics, uh, new client metrics, all of those things. And in our EIN community, we dive into this a lot. We track this with our advisors, like are the right metrics heading in the right direction. And where it gets fun is when I have a conversation with, you know, one of them sort of a one-off coaching. And I say, well, actually we've did this because for our webinar, we invited, that we did last month, we invited a few members of our community to come. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, like, tell me, you know, Andy, what is the practical difference of being in, EA, in, in EAN? Like, what's your, what's your planning? Like, what were your planning fees before and then mm-hmm. after? And it's, it's fun to go, oh, here's the difference. Here's the variable, right? Yep. Uh, what is your average planning fee? Mm-hmm. And I have, I'll have a conversation a lot with people. Um, what is your, what is your average sort of case income when you do planning and don't have planning? I talked to an advisor this week and the difference was like seven X. Yeah, it was actually, it was more like seven, seven and a half times as much revenue if they did a plan with someone as if they didn't. That's good to know. They were like, thank you. (laughs) Right. You know, like they didn't, they didn't feel bad. Like I'm doing it wrong. They just went like, man, moving forward, (laughs) I'm going to do that. That's right? right. And that's that's what if you have it. Yeah, where thing. do you where do you pour gas? You know, which yeah. fire? If you got a few fires going, you don't like you need to know as quick as possible which one to stomp out and which one to pour more gas on. I have a, a recent example that we were working through with EAN. We we look at legacy as kind of our, our laboratory for EAN. Uh-huh. Yeah. Sten is an active advisor. I have active advisors on that team. We're always trying to improve our practice client service model. And so we get to pass that information along to you. We went back and I asked Jamie, I'm curious what our new AUM per client was for planning clients versus non-planning clients. Mm. And the information we were able to get back today, and she's still refining it, is that our average AUM per planning client. So this is a client that had no other business with us. They do a financial planning or consulting engagement. The average AUM added per those clients was about $2.2 million. Okay. And I, I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb and say our average per non-planning client is probably under a million. That's really important. That's important for my team to know, advisors we coach. Because if I can say more than double your average AUM pickup, do you think you're going to spend some time becoming a better financial planner? Are you going to learn to talk about yourself, that your value is in ideas and coaching as opposed to product? That's a pretty compelling argument. All right. I'm going to be devil's advocate, but I've got a response for the devil. Okay. (laughs) So the devil's advocate might say, well, those people just happen to be more high net worth. That's why it's more. That's the devil's advocate. Like, well, they, they just happen to have more money. Well, then who do you want to attract? Like, yeah, isn't that the whole point? Right. You do like, well, they just happen to have more money. It's not the planning part. It's like, or is that kind of customer that wants planning the mm-hmm. one you should be targeting? Yep. Does that make sense? Yeah. Or that advisor you talked about the other day that's more insurance-based, his average uh, case per client went from like $1,500 yeah, from insurance to 10000 with planning. And his feedback was, I'm more intentional. Meaning I uncover more Listen, and I have better justification. he took 100% responsibility. Sorry to interrupt, but he took 100% responsibility. And he said, the difference is, and he's a veteran. He just said, I am more intentional. 
I pay more attention to the details yep. when I stop and I don't go straight to the insurance and I step back and I go, let's do a plan. Yep. Put it like seven and a half, eight times the result. I mean, he was like, yeah, again, yeah, you can't stop. argue with it then. <laughs> you know, you may be like, oh, I don't like it or that's a new thing. It makes me uncomfortable. So I'm going to avoid it. At some point, it's so compelling yeah. that you're going to step into that discomfort. 8X? Yeah, I'll be uncomfortable <laughs> for 8X. That's right. Yeah. So let me ask some other questions about when people are looking at, again, people are going to listen to this a lot of different times during the year, and we do encourage folks to measure that scorecard monthly and then have some quarterly check-ins on your goals. Mm-hmm. But when people take a look at their year, how much time do you think it should take mm-hmm. to, and I have some really interesting practical things I want people to do when they're thinking about, yep. they're looking back and looking forward that I think will be really, really impactful, frankly. But what are what are some ways that they should be measuring like time wise? Like do they need to take a half a day, a whole day, mm-hmm. get out of the office? Like what are ways you can measure your year, I guess in a practical way? We we at Legacy we break it up into two half day sessions. Uh, and it's all kind of results based. Like we're not there to sit and talk about stuff. Like we're not trying to solve meetings in that uh, solve problems in that meeting. Mm-hmm. We can follow up with like what are the solutions? We're trying to uncover what went well, what do we need to do more of? Is there any feedback? Um, what in- innovations do we need to add to the practice? Like get, get in a room and really just focus and think about the future. Mm-hmm. When, it, when in that meeting, we do reflect on the past year for 30 minutes. Hey, that's awesome. Let's celebrate it. You know, this year cookies were brought in. We're like, hey guys, good job. We didn't hang there very long because it's like impact's important. Let's talk about the future. But the data also allowed us to, to celebrate in that moment. Yeah. So I do think the point being, and when you said cookies, you didn't really give that full. You brought in crumble. Oh, like that's so good. When you said like bringing cookies, that's like that could have been somebody like popped off a dozen chocolate <laughs> chip at home. Not the same as Wait, man. There's, there's, there's elite cookie game and right, then there's average. Yeah, there, there's game. average <laughs> and then there's elite. And elite is four bucks a pop, but they're good. <laughs> nice. They're good. Um, so shout out, not sponsored by Crumble, but open to that. Open, send, a, send a swag. Yes. If you've ever, if you're, I've never done that before, but I love it. Yeah. Yeah. So we're, you got my number, Crumble. That's right. Um, so here's, here's another one I want to offer on a personal level. So we'll go personal a little bit. One of the most impactful times I've ever had of doing planning, looking back and looking forward. Uh, and actually, it's in your town. I went in a little town next to Franklin and I went out to. And I it was somebody told me, it's this cute little town. Go out there and, and walk around. And, and I literally was just kind of like wandering the streets. People were probably like, what is this guy doing? Uh, it was kind of a touristy spot. So, um, but I was walking and I was kind of trying to take as many side roads as I could, just literally just trying to think through the last year and just kind of mm-hmm. how do I feel and how I feel about mm-hmm. next year. And to very introspective time. And this is like a couple hours. I wasn't there like eight hours. Yeah. But one of the things I did, I, this is, this is one of the most profound moments of my life. And I did not expect it is. I just, I saw a graveyard and I was like, I've been taught to not walk on top of a grave, you know, mm-hmm. like you walk where the distance of where, but there was enough room for me to take a walk around this graveyard. And it wasn't very big. It was maybe like a hundred graves or it wasn't like thousands or whatever. But you want to have some perspective. Take a walk in a graveyard. That's heavy. Don't drive by it. Mm-hmm. Don't park your car and look at it. Like go stand and look and see all these people who don't have the opportunities that you have because their days are done hmm. and yours are not. And whether it was Oh yeah, people were here in 1852, and I, I mean, I, that yeah. sort of, but also seeing the fresh ones and just going, mm. you know what they had? Oh, and seeing ones that um, had less years than you did. Oh wow, that was like, oh, 
uh, you know, I was, I'm 38 and they only had 35. Like mm. I, I have more life than they had. Yeah. What am I going to do with it? And, and again, That's good. that will, that will, that will impact your marriage. It'll impact your parenting. It'll impact mm-hmm. your work in the community. Yep. Uh, it'll impact your business because yep. you realize that we're not always here and yep. that time is a gift. Uh, but I, I would encourage you. And again, I know it might feel good. Warning to all graveyard security guards out there. You're going to have an influx of That's uh, right. That's trespassers right. soon. That's right. <laughs> but I, I would, I would submit this again. We want to be about action. Yeah. We want to give really practical things as much as our scorecard download in the show notes. Go there, get that. It's a Google sheet. You fill it in. It, it's great. Mm-hmm. Like you probably know where a graveyard is. There's a graveyard in my neighborhood. It has like 15 graves in it. Oh, man. It's this old What's one. the South. You always That's have these little ones yeah, like right? mixed in there. But I'll tell you what, it's powerful because there's some infants mm. from the late 1800s that are buried there as well as people that, you know, were yeah. settlers. Like every time I go by there, but like stop, pause, go there and um, it'll, it'll impact you. Yeah. It'll impact you. That's good. So what do you do as you think about next year to, um, you know, measure things that matter? How do you keep yourself from being wildly unrealistic, but also optimistic, hopeful, think big? How, how do you find that sweet spot of, you know what, I, I want to be uncomfortable, mm-hmm. but I want to also not go, let's go from a million to a bajillion. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You know I mean? <laughs> there is something to your first year. Most advisors could probably understand, uh, here's how much revenue I made in the past few years. Mm-hmm. So it's somewhat informed and you can definitely stretch yourself. What's great about our community is advisors ask advisors. I remember I met an advisor once and he was like, oh, I added 10 million of AUM this year. Like, it's a great year. It's like, oh, that's good. Like, I added 20. You know, oh, you, that's a, how is that possible? And then a the guy's like, oh, I added 40. You know, we're like, oh, how is that possible? So. Right. I think to be informed, you need to be in community. You need to be plugged in. You need to be asking for feedback from other advisors. For legacy, we have decided that the primary measure to not overcomplicate things is our A clients added. Okay. It, and if that number is moving in the right direction, and for every 15 A clients we add, we're going to celebrate as a team. Right. What's great about that is that that's something every team member can be aware of. It's not, oh, our uh, earnings before owner's compensation metric. You know, that's important for a business owner yeah, to sit in your office to, alone and talk about it. <laughs> right. But what, what kind of graph is that on the wall for them? Right. And so for every 15 A clients we add, if we're adding the right A clients and we set the metrics around who qualifies and what does that look like, I know the trickle-down effect of that goal right. will positively impact our other goals. Mm-hmm. And as a firm, our goal is not AUM at all costs. It's AUM at a certain threshold or higher for this type of client. Mm-hmm. So if we had business owners that'll pay us a certain size consulting fee that most likely have some AUM, if we do enough of that, that's a win. And so it gives you clarity. Uh, it helps you track something to celebrate more. That though, for us, that's how we've kind of boiled it down. Yeah. I want to give a couple um, uh, really practical ways that you can focus on when you look backwards, decide what, how should that inform what I do in the future? Because mm-hmm. there's some options Yep. Uh, that I think sometimes people forget they have options with what they have been doing. Like you don't have to keep doing it. Uh, one of them is if, if you didn't succeed in something or if you really want to accelerate, you're really good at this, is ask, if this is this a who, not how situation where now maybe you started it, but it's like maybe we need to bring someone in to really pour some gasoline on this. Maybe this is I've, I sort of raised it from to a seedling, but if this thing really needs to grow and blossom, then maybe this is a who, not how situation if I'm going to really reach that next level or the next goal. 
Yeah, I think this time of year, if every advisor takes an inventory of where that where they're spending their time, yeah, and they should probably stop doing half of it, give thirty percent of it away to somebody else, and focus on you know their superpower, which is their twenty percent. Right. Just that activity alone now is going to help inform. Hey, if this is truly important, but I shouldn't be doing it, it is a who not how problem. Right. I need to find somebody to help me with that. Uh, another is maybe you find like, hey, things are going well, like rinse and repeat, like steady the course. Don't mess with it. You're doing well. Mm-hmm. I think within legacy, you know, looking at the, you know, average uh, planning revenue, like uh, fee, mm-hmm. I think it's pretty strong. And it's like, yeah. hey, like, could it be higher? Yeah, but maybe maybe you don't want to double it. You know, let's, but let's make sure it doesn't go down. You yeah. Know? Yeah. For legacy heading into next year, our clients are really happy. They're referring us people. Uh, we're happy with our fee average and our service model. Yeah. Now it's a year of just go get more clients. Yeah. Where we spent years in the past about its process, its marketing, like all these things. But now we're able to say, get Mo. They're good enough to move on. Yeah. Now the primary focus is to make sure more people know we exist. Yeah. And there is something to be said too. Like you think about if you're running a race, like at some point they're like, hey, find your rhythm, find your pace. Mm-hmm. No, go faster. No, like find your pace and stay there. Yep. <laughs> right. That, that, that's yeah. You don't, about change is not always... It's an easy answer because it's it creates movement and well, activity. I think there's a pressure, like more, more, more. Like, no, what if I just keep doing the same thing that it's no, working? You, it will create more, yeah. but it's not. So, number one is who, not how. Maybe that's a solution. Second is rinse and repeat. Just keep doing it. Mm-hmm. You're doing a good job. Keep keep it up. Another is tweak it. Maybe there is a small change you could make that yep. could have a significant impact. Uh, but don't be afraid to make small changes. Another is double it. Like we need to. Like, this is going well. How do we double that next year? Like, nice. our capacity is there. Maybe we need to double something. Yep. I don't know what that is, but could be. The other one is bury it. Like, just stop doing that. Yeah. Like, there's, it's probably, not, there's probably a lot of that. The things that we're doing that truly are not getting us close to our mission. And if we're honest, and this is where we have our strategic planning facilitated by an outside party, hmm. to have somebody else come and be like, why are you doing that? Because all of us may we may defend things we've been doing. Because yeah. by doing it, it's like, oh, it didn't work, or maybe that wasn't a good decision. But the faster we can kill it, the better, because yeah. it just frees up more time and we can be more impactful. Yeah, and I and I wonder, like, maybe this tells maybe something that you go like, we tried that and like we just stopped because it we we buried it. Like we tried it wasn't wasn't right for us, and we and we're okay burying it. Is there? Oh yeah, marketing was that for us big time, and we're gonna do some future episodes on marketing do's and don'ts. Because I've paid firms $3,000 a month to come in and write some generic blog posts and increase the SEO for our website, but there was no results. They also posted to your Twitter. They did uh, some Twitter posts for me. <laughs> and I realized it wasn't their fault. They were doing what I kind of was asking them. Yeah. You know, in hindsight, a marketing firm should come in with a clear plan. They should tell yeah. you what to do. Like, they're the expert. But I realized if, if this isn't something we can do with so much intention, then it's not worth spending the money and kind of doing it 50%. Because yeah. yeah. you don't get results from marketing doing something 50%. It might feel good, but true results are like a firm marketing plan with probably an ad spend with mm-hmm. so, like that is you need to go for it all in. So that's something we real, realized that we took a pause for marketing. We we're getting a bunch of referrals. It was working, but now we're back to a posture where next year we're building out a marketing plan because legacy has more capacity and it needs to get business from somewhere other than Sten. Right. But that's now some someone else's project to work on. Yeah. So don't. So remember, there's a there's a menu of things you can do. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't. You don't have. It's not always more. More is not always the answer. Nope. That's not how humans are built. Where nope. we don't have that capacity. Nope. So it's okay to to not do everything more and more and more. Yep. We'll close out the episode. Uh, remind everybody if you're listening to this as it releases, we have a few spots left for our how to charge live event. 
which is going to be super impactful. It'll transform your business if you're ready for something that you, you want to shake up going into next year. This is in January 17th and 18th. You can go to stenmorgan.com backslash how to live and go check it out. Ping us. There's a link in there if you want to talk to Andy. Yeah, there will, any questions. There only, I know there's single digits left as of now. Yep. Seats. Um, if it's full, then there'll be a wait list for the next one we do uh, later in 2023. But um, would love to have you come be a part of that. Stenmorgan.com slash how to live. Don't uh, type in drive. So it'll be in a link in the show notes. Uh, or on the YouTube. So thanks, everybody. Hey, thank you for listening to today's episode. Be sure to check out the episode description so you can get a link to our company scorecard, a resource that Sten mentioned earlier in the episode. And also remember that there's many different areas of life that you should be measuring as you look back in your year. Finances, health, your social life, your career, spiritual, leisure, personal growth, your family, and your friends. You can do that by looking through your camera roll, your emails, and your calendar. And then make sure, because this can be a lonely business, to share your results with someone else that can help you celebrate what was good and learn from what was not so good. Hey, there's still time to register for a How to Charge a Live event at our headquarters. There's about seven or eight seats left, so you can go to stenmorgan.com slash howtolive. That's stenmorgan.com slash howtolive to get your seat or to register for our next event. On behalf of Sten and myself, thank you for listening. Remember to be kind to yourself and that life's too short to choose the average path. Choose the elite one. We appreciate you.